The only danger is if they send us to that terrible planet of the apes. Wait a minute. Statue of Liberty. That was our planet! You maniacs! You blew it up! Damn you! Damn you all to hell! <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the February installment of Pod Stallions. I am Brian, and with me in a land far away that's probably uh, nicer weather than where I am is Jason Lindsay. Hello, everyone. And this is an episode, this is a rare occasion where we're actually following up on an episode. We do a lot of part ones. We're not big on the part twos. Um, and recently, while I was... Uh, reading the YouTube comments on our channel, somebody said, hey, did you guys ever do a part two to this? And I went to the YouTube video and I looked at it and it was seven years old. So, um, you know, we're taking as much time to do our sequels as Anchorman. And I thought we would follow up on Planet of the Apes. And I got to tell you, Jason, I decided to listen to that episode because it's been so long. I forgot where we left off. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how anyone listens to us. We are so all over the place. <laughs> I couldn't figure out. And I'll I realized that half of this is me. I don't, I, you know, you don't really want, hell would be trapped in an elevator with yourself, you know. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what where we were. We were all over the place. We were talking right. about Tales from the Gold Monkey. And, I, uh, you know. Excuse me. Excuse me. I see a thread. Hmm. Uh, yeah, the, the the Kevin Bacon is the Roddy McDowell, I know. Well, no, I was going to say monkeys as well. Mm. I mean, come mm. on, it's in the same wheelhouse, please. That's 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 fair, yes. I will not have you denigrate our, our ramblings. Let me ask you this, how young did we sound? Had our voices cracked? Well, we were, yeah, we were really young, yeah. And then I think, I think your mom uh, made you uh, go to bed, so we had to actually stop the Which episode early. Exactly why we never did a part two. It was that's right. Yeah. On the air. So this you, is like the... This is like the two Jakes. Yeah. This is like uh, down in the two. This is how long it's taken to to get to this other episode. So it'll be it'll be a little rusty. We got Robert Town uh, did a little work on the script, but um, we'll uh, we'll get there. And you um, know, you know, the nice thing about this is I would like to make as many Planet of the Apes episodes are there, as there are films. I know you want a Planet of the Apes house. You want to live in the treehouse. Well, I you know what I think is what we can do is we can get lazy. And we can have a Planet of the Apes week where we just, you know, repeat the same episodes and see, uh, just watch the dollars rake in. I have a theory about Planet of the Apes before we even go into this. And and it, it, it's just a theory and it's just an observation that there's hardcore Planet of the Apes fans like like you. Hmm. No, but I'm just saying like like but even even where that's concerned. It's to me, it's kind of like, and I, obviously it is diminishing returns. I mean, as great as the other original movies are, it's diminishing after the 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 main film. That I mean, everybody knows the first film. Everybody knows the first film. And then sometimes people have seen all the others. Sometimes they've seen some of them, or they remember bits of them. But it, it it's it seems like it's kind of uh, the bulk of it is centered around the first movie, kind of like. 
yeah. as, as, a, as a as a sort of fandom. I mean, it, it's all inclusive, but really, when when you think about it, it's it's the concept. It's the you know, I don't know. I don't know if there's more fans of Beneath than there are of you know Battleford. <clears throat> you you mainly hear about the the same kind of kind of stuff. You know, you don't hear about the TV series much, is what I mean. But it's it's all in there, but. Really, the the main love everybody has is for that first movie, and then after that, it sort of splinters, right? Um, I, <clears throat> yes and no. Uh, okay. I know what you're saying. And first of all, you say I'm a hardcore fan. I I would say I'm in this kind of middle category. Oh, because the hardcore fans are the guys who um read novels in the universe, still read comics in the universe, still. Uh, there are books out there trying to make all the timelines fit. Um, I'm not that guy. Fan I, like, yeah, like to try to try and make sense of it all and, and structure it all together, like Fan all of it. Cornelius and, and, and uh, Zaius in a, you know, love triangle with. No, that's a different kind of fiction. That's stuff I write, too. But, you know, oh, mine, okay. is, mine is mainly based on CPO Sharky. But um Gotcha. The, the, the what I'm trying to say is that there's there's hardcore and I would consider myself um, middle ground apes fan. I love Planet of the Apes, uh, but I don't try to dissect Gossamer. I don't try to sit there and go, how does this make sense? I just love the concept and I forgive it a lot of the time. Um, <clears throat> so and then there's people I think the general public of people who like Planet of the Apes. The first film is the thing that, uh, and we, you know, it, it's the thing that, um, oh, what do you call it? Uh, it, 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 it made its mark on pop culture. Yeah, yes. It's, it, it's the thing that everybody kind of knows in, yeah. in some way, or everybody has seen it or knows the ending, etc. Mm. It, it is a watermark in pop culture and sci-fi and geekdom and, and so on. Yeah, so... Uh, you say it's all about the first movie. Well, the, the first movie was just, yeah, it it, it led the charge. And yes, uh, you know, as you say, a law of diminishing returns is what we're going to be talking about is the sequels. I think um, I think there was nowhere to, to go but down. Right. Because the, the film was meant as a singular film. Right. You know, uh, there's there's other stuff like that, too, where you go like you can't make another one of those uh, because why would you? It was never meant to be. And um, well, and it's also it also has I think that <clears throat> the charm of it or the draw of it is obviously the apes. The, the draw of it is the is how great those those characters looked in the original film. Oh, sure. But the, but but the fascination for the audience is watching them throughout each of the films. In other words, you don't get to the third film and there's like a new type of creature or there's a new, a, a super new element that, you know, is like the new friggin', you know, Yoda or whatever. Like something that comes along that's expanding on... on the only the, thing that changes is the situation. The situation, exactly. It's not, it's not a, it's not a... Uh, it's, there's a mythology that builds, but it's not like you suddenly get to another planet or you get to, oh, that's some of the fish people that walk around too. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, it, yeah, they it, didn't it's go always that way. The ape, it's the apes walking around with humans and that freaky deaky, you know, we're in this different kind of world that yeah. that goes through the whole thing, I think. A really, a really good example, it just made me laugh, is um, 
I was thinking about movies that are meant to just be a one and done. And there's another Heston film, another post-apocalyptic kind of Heston film. That's Silent Green. And I don't know if you've ever seen the Saturday Night Live sketch. And I believe it's uh, Phil Hartman. Oh, Phil Hartman. And, and and they're they're talking about all the different sequels to Silent Green. And, you know, it's 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 so stupid because he's like, you know, Silent White. And, you know, he keeps coming, it's people, you know, and um and then of course they they they're going back to the basics with Soylent Green too, and the, the ending of the sketch is Peston's going they didn't change the recipe, <laughs> you know? and, and that you know it's not quite as ridiculous as that because obviously Planet of the Apes had a whole universe to explore, but it was a you know it was originally meant <clears throat> as a single solitary film, a story right. with itself. Um, in the same way that I was just doing an episode of my, my toy show there on YouTube and why didn't black hole toys sell? Well, you know, as opposed to star Wars, well, star Wars was a universe building. The black hole was a disaster film, you know, here have an action figure of a guy that died, you know, in the film you just saw. <laughs> yeah. It, it, so I would also argue that part of the problem with the black hole stuff is, and actually at Buck Rogers, same kind of thing, you know, the, the, the beauty of Star Wars and, and the design team, the people that were involved, is you had so many different looking things. It wasn't just yeah. – it's, it's the three humans and then it's all creatures and droids and all kinds of things. Yeah. And, and whereas Black Hole, you know, is, a, is an older guy with a, you know, with, a, with a belly and a tash who is in Marty and you know the guy from psycho and then a good looking guy but they're all just in sort of jumps they're, they're, they're street clothes people basically street for the clothes, most part clothes. yeah yeah you had the cool looking sentries you had you know maximilian i think was the one that sold I think yeah the, I, the, the droids every, sold but every kid they, had had you know vincent or especially maximilian yeah yeah, um, yeah. well so that's that, exactly that, my point yeah yeah that was part of it too i think it just was like nothing nothing came along that had the which is, you know, not to bring it back to Flash Gordon in 10 minutes, but that's wow. what was always so, so weird about that movie. Like when it hit as a kid going, look at all the stuff in it. Yeah, they, they definitely like, was a, uh, a cast of colorful characters. Yeah, like this is a this is a this has got to be a toy line. You've got to make stuff of this, you know, um, but it was the first thing that kind of came along that that looked like that even superman or any of the big stuff and so the apes the ape stuff that it was like it, you know star trek had aliens and you know which you couldn't find obviously the, the the migo stuff as a kid but um but that that's the the variety and the and the and the, the colorful yeah so, eclectic looking characters like and the, the, yeah apes had that in spades but you know i think the first sequel beneath is a very good example of how the series went because they they I think they cut the budget right away. Now this is wait before we even get yeah. So you're, you listen to the episode and we just did we one, just we only did a one hour show which and we did it on the first movie. we just did it on the first movie and we I couldn't even find I couldn't even find parts where we were talking about the first movie. Um, <laughs> yes, look at us now. Yeah. Look at us yeah. now. Markets is so much focus now. How many, how many how many markets are we in? How many Webbies do we have? How many awards? Come on. Say what all, you want. all the rondos. Uh, yeah. I think we've come a long way, baby. Yeah. We're the Virginia Slims of podcasts. Oh, yeah. Hey, but, but wait a second. So when did you first see Beneath? Do you remember when you first saw Beneath? Yes. I Beneath was not the first. Like, weirdly enough, I think it was one of the last ones I ever actually saw. And I was still oh. very young. 
trying to figure out the whole Planet of the Apes mythos. Right. And it was around this time of year because it was I was nine years old and the Lake Placid Winter Olympics were on. Mm. And I did not want to watch the Lake Placid Winter Olympics. The And, of course, we had basic, basic, basic cable. Like, my parents mm-hmm. just had a dial. That was it. No converter. Mm-hmm. So it was like a snowy February night or January. I don't remember. And I had my choice of the Olympics on five of the channels. The Exorcist, which I absolutely did not want to watch because I was nine. And Beneath the Planet of the Apes. And I got, I freaked out. I was like, Beneath? I've never seen this one, you know? And um, and you had seen the, you'd seen others. Before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And it was a ravenous Planet of the Apes fan. Even at that age, mm. I was already going to yard sales looking for Planet of the Apes stuff. Like I felt <laughs> like I like I was a kid who felt like he, you know, like it was again, you know, I, I got hooked on Planet of the Apes through the cartoon series and oh, um, and, and through the toys. And, you know, I, I missed the television series because. My parents enjoyed Sanford and Son, and um, and you know I was four, so what was I gonna do? Like, no, I, I don't think I, I was trying to think of this, you know, prepping for this. Like, I don't think I ever, I don't remember ever seeing the Planet of the Apes cartoon as a kid. I saw Star Trek. They repeated yeah. Star Trek at a certain point, and I definitely saw that on Saturday mornings or like in a weird time slot. But I don't think I ever saw the. the I, I vividly I remember it. I think I'd seen, because they would, maybe I'm wrong about this, but you know how they say like a show goes into syndication, X number of episodes, and then it then it goes up the dial, or it go, you know, it goes to the local station, it gets repeated and stuff. Well, they re, the, the local stations repeated Holchak at night and stuff. Oh, yeah, no, I, and Return of so, the Planet of the Apes, I got VHSs of those from the 80s, and they were playing on weird UHF markets. Okay, so I know that I saw the live-action series. Like, I probably saw some of the live-action series before I'd seen all of the movies. Yeah, the live-action series got syndicated, I think, in the late 1970s as, like, you know, a way to make Planet of the Apes week now two weeks. Ah, okay. So they took those episodes and they bundled them. In the, and you know they did that for Kolchak episodes too, eh? Oh, no, I didn't know. Yeah, I, I, they're very rare. And I'm fascinated with those. Like, I collect the um, the ITC where they yeah. bundle all the TV episodes. And, and, yeah, the Apes TV series, that's how I really got hooked on Planet of the Apes as a kid. Because I, I think I watched a marathon of those one day. And I loved the television series. And you would have had you would have had the uh, the TV figures, right? I mean, you would have had yeah, the two. I did. I I did because my dad bought all the closeouts. And, okay. Um, yeah. I think I had one or two of those guys, and I had the treehouse, and I had the apes, and you know that I that's all I remember was I was so early days of of toys, but um, but I just and I don't even I'm sure I hadn't seen all the movies at that point that I had these toys, you know. Yeah, it it I missed the TV series, but I I vividly remember the cartoon. So I'm watching mm. Beneath the Planet of the Apes, and when it gets to the mutants, um, you know, first of all, I, my I grew up in a really Catholic house, mm-hmm. and I did not want to get caught watching something where they're basically doing a Catholic mass to a bomb. So I remember like being a little nervous watching that. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. it's so stupid now. And it's um, weird. It's such a weird con. It's such a yeah. It's trippy. You know, I I remember when they show up the first time I saw it as a kid, thinking this looks like something out of Star Trek. Yeah. Like it just seemed like characters on another planet of Star Trek, and I was going, what what's you know what's and that's Bono too. Doesn't Bono show up in it? Our boy? Victor Bono's in it. Yeah. He's, Bono's in um, it. Yeah. Yeah. And um. But hey, what what wasn't he in? He was in everything we love. What was I just watching the other day? Oh, somebody in the Pods Dians group put up that Murder Can Kill You, that 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 parody where it's supposed to be like Kojak and Starsky and Hutch, you know, and, and like Gavin McCloud's playing the Kojak and and. Um, oh, that kind of rings a bell. Yeah, you you talked about it, and um, I tried to watch it. Victor Bono is the um, Ironside in this. And, oh no shit yeah and uh yeah it's 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 really hard to watch for starsky and hutch who are like they've got like cracked magazine names like spoofy and stutch or whatever and they've got jamie farr and john viner as starsky and hutch of course they did of yeah. course <laughs> of course they did pitch perfect guys and and, and uh they got, Snyder wasn't available. They got uh, what's his name? I think it's I think it's Rocky's brother-in-law as the Columbo, which actually he does a pretty good job. Oh, Burt Young? Yeah, Burt Young. Yeah, and That's pretty uh, good casting for a team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not bad. Gavin McCloud as as Kojak is kind of fun because you, you forget Gavin McCloud can actually act, and. Um, I forget. Oh, there's a there's a policewoman. I can't remember who played policewoman. It's pretty hard to watch though. Like you know. But anyway, yeah. Victor, I was, I was just sitting there like, I can't believe he's doing this. You know. Um, and I can't believe he's like 11 years younger than me right here. You know. <laughs> he was 22 in Beneath the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> you know what? He was young. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, um, he, he, he was a fast life. That man. He did yeah. A he, he he did not treat his body as a temple. Let's just say that. <laughs> no, sir, he did not. <laughs> temple of doom. Yeah, like, temple of doom. <laughs> temple of the dog. Um, <laughs> temple. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So they show up, and you're afraid of getting busted. I, you I'm kind of like nervous about watching people praying to a bomb. I really don't want to like be told to turn it off or. Yeah, I did like I don't even think my parents are paying attention to it. I don't even know what they were doing. Um and I'm in this dark basement too. I want to point that out too. <clears throat> and then they start peeling their faces off. Oy, oy, oy. And this is a grimy city TV print of the movie. It's not a very you know, and I don't know what it is about like grimy movies from the seventies, but it adds Grime. to the whole ugh, you know. Sure. And I just remember I did this like you know, right out of the Simpsons, I did this flick around, you know, like, it's like skiing, skiing, skiing. Linda Blair is the exorcist. Jesus. <laughs> and I went back to beneath the planet of the apes. <laughs> and um, that movie kind of upset me as a kid. Like, it's so dark. And, it's so dark. It's, yeah. it's, it's tell you, when I think, because some of these things, what was I thinking about the other day, too? I looked something up that was an early 70s thing, or I don't remember now, but it was, things were, you know, it's the it's the old uh, oft-told story about Lucas. One of his reasons for doing what he did was, you know, everything was so violent on television, and everything was so, it was Dirty Harry, and it was, 
people getting killed on television and everything was so the kids didn't have the fairy tales anymore. Da, da, da. Well, it's kind of true. Like a, a lot of the stuff that we watched was was super dark. Or oh, yeah. I mean, and and that I, and I know I mean, I would imagine that by beneath there were kids that were going to this maybe or that I mean, the toys hit what, 73, 74, 70, 73 and 74 is when the merchandising Before. really uh, kicked off, and we can get into that. Um, I, but, I mean, basically point, spent about a what, month researching that recently. What I'm so. trying to figure out is like, is, is like, they weren't aiming this at kids. This movie was not mm-mm, aimed mm-mm, in mm-mm. any way. But you there really what? wasn't any sort of, um, yeah, no, it's definitely not a kids movie. But kids loved it. They just were really slow on the uptake of that, and um, mm-hmm. they were just making it this time. Uh, I wouldn't say pot boilers, but, you know, uh, sequeling popular entertainment. Yeah. And um, and what did they what did they treat these as? Like, what did the, I know the studio kept lowering the budget, but but, you know, when you think about what was going on at the time, as far as things getting sequels, I mean, of course, sequels have been going on since the beginning of, you know, cinema. Yeah. But as far as like a, a, a something pulpy or something, you know, genre. Well, think about it, though. It's 1970 they, and but, things are but, really changing. But are they thinking of it in terms of like we could have like a, you know, um, like a universal monsters kind of thing here where we do one every couple of years and it's a, you know, it goes somewhere else or does something. Or are they are they because they, because no real sci fi things had been franchised in a way like that. that had I, I would view them as almost like. Pictures like um, not Mon Pock Kettle, but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, like in the same way that they would, they just kept making Matt Helm movies because they made money and they didn't cost a lot to make, and um, you just kind of kept going with the story. So, to right, speak. right. Uh, I don't think that it was meant as a summer blockbuster because the summer blockbuster didn't really exist. Right. These were profitable programmers, you know, right. uh, just keep making them because they keep selling. And um, so it's not very artistic. And if I recall correctly, <clears throat> and somebody wants to develop a TV series on this, the original <clears throat> uh, sequel ideas were from Pierre Boulle, who wrote the original book, um, Monkey Planet. And he he proposed something called Planet of the Men. That saw it. It sounds kind of interesting as a concept. I don't know if it worked as a film, but uh, that saw Taylor leading leading a revolt of humans. I think over a period of time, hmm. and eventually the apes start regressing to well, savages, would, and then that it be- yeah, it it ends with uh, Doctor Zaius in a cage at a zoo for humans again. Oh, see that would see that. Shades of that come into the new trilogy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By the time you get to the third film with the you're pirates. absolutely right, and um, they are now talking. I think Disney is talking about developing a series based on that concept. Ooh. So no, beneath the Planet of the Apes. This is the sequel, and Ooh. it's Taylor, and you follow Taylor, and and that, that sounds like it would be better served as a series. Yeah. Than a movie because you could really tell a story. Oh, yeah. And you'd be able to build a universe, and I would be curious to see how they depict everyone. And and so, like, when people, you know, people are like, what are your thoughts on this? And I was like, 
I'm kind of I'm kind of intrigued, you know, um, because I don't I don't think it's sacrosanct um, <clears throat> when and this is something that happened to me a few years ago. Uh, I was at a toy show and I was talking to my friend, my friend I was set up as a dealer. And this guy comes up to me and I'm wearing a I have a T-shirt of Roddy McDowell holding a camera, but he's got his Cornelius makeup on. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a cool picture. And this guy comes up to me and goes, great shirt. Do you get the meaning behind it? You know, that that kind of like asking a girl who's wearing a Ramones T-shirt to name an album kind of BS. Like he's, te- <laughs> he's testing me if I'm, you know, and I just kind of went, yeah, I, I know Roddy McDowell is a photographer, dude, you know, and, and I go back to talking to my friend and he goes, so what did you think of the new movies? And I said, oh, I think they're great. And he goes, oh, man, what are you, an idiot? He and did. He did. And I, like. What a ball bag. I, I said, you know, I'm here talking to my friend. You're interrupting. And now you're calling me an idiot? Like, you know, just like, what is this? You know? And I, I turned to my friend and I said, this is why I don't set up at these things anymore, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah, I I thought the Reeves movies were very well done. I, I and, and we'll get into all the, the remakes and takes. Um you know, I'm all for doing something with this universe again, but I understand that the the first five films are really, really products of their time. Oh, and, yeah. you know, yeah. what we have to do is, and I'll get into this probably in future installments, I feel like there's elements of that that need to be in there. And it's a really weird, you either go way too camp like Burton, or you go way too clinical like reeves do you know what i mean like i i there's there has to be a bit of both in there and it's a bit like batman where you can just be too dark or you can be too silly but you should have a little bit of that in both you know what i mean like uh, i always feel like it should be it it it, um the attempts that have been made like like sometimes things just conceptually are so great but sometimes the execution is just the, the technology hasn't caught up or or it's 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 easier to just do the kind of you know wink at the audience again or get do the rep you know so the Burton thing was constantly sort of winking and and knew you had knowledge of it it tried to do something different but it was completely convoluted but with with technology now like there's so many places you could go with this story and yeah. sort of be this circular thing or you know be a an indictment of the way civilizations treat each other or, you know, colonization or coming into a, a more primitive area or, or and vice versa. Um, there's a, there's a ton, a million things you could, you know, you could do. And I think it's, you still get the same point across or the same kind of vibe that, that the original story was, was kind of trying to make, I think. Yeah. And I think, I think there's lots of ways to do this. Plenty and, of places yeah. To go. And I'm now, excited for anything they want to do because I think we're at this time where we're going to take it serious. Well, I think that, like the Reeves not too films, serious. I know we'll get to the Reeves ones, but the Reeves films, to me, they just went from strength to strength. And mm. and the and the best compliment I can give them is they're hard for me to watch. Because yes. So good, but the but the creature effects are so good, that, and I cannot take, you know, man being you know off. You like even like when the when like the nice humans are there and there's like that one guy that you go that guy's gonna screw it up and he's gonna yeah. do something wrong and then they're gonna all have to 
paid the price and say, I oh, here sat, I sat wide eyed so, in the theater at every single one of those. Yeah, they're 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 great. But did okay, so so Beneath comes out clearly does well enough to do Yeah, but they like it, they again because Heston had I'll come back, but you gotta end it. You gotta make it over, you know? So it has this super downer ending of the earth blowing up. Um and Beneath suffers from not having uh Heston in the entire film. I really like James Franciscus, but you know it it it's it changes the narrative too much. You have to rediscover Ape City, you have to do mm. all this stuff and and then you know we got a little bit of a little heavy handed with the hippies. Do you remember the ape hippies in that? Uh in in Beneath Beneath, yeah. I remember the kid <clears throat> kid was kind of wasn't Salminio in that one or who's who's the no, kid? No, you're you're thinking of the the first one there was Caesar or Cornelius's uh, or Zira's nephew. Oh, pothead nephew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I don't remember hippies in Beneath. Yeah, there's there's protesters in Beneath. Oh. <clears throat> in fact, the, the gold key beneath the Planet of the Apes comic, which is one of the f- first pieces of merchandise ever made, uh, had a make like it had an eighth protest poster pull out. Is it is it were they making like they were bad mouthing humans or something? They didn't want uh, the apes to go to war with uh, the humans in the Forbidden Zone. Oh, okay, yeah, that that kind of rings a bell, sort of. So yeah, because that's Franciosa, right? Tony Franciosa? No, James no, James Franciscus. Franciscus. Yeah, one of those Italians, the Tony Franciosa, James Franciscus, <laughs> and Tony and, Ro- uh, and uh, uh, David Watson plays uh, Cornelius in this one. Roddy McDowell was directing, I think, uh, his first film, Lord Love a Duck. No, I believe it was um, was the House of the Trip Blood. <clears throat> I can't remember. I know I know Roddy looks really cool in the movie too. He's got his, his hair slicked back and glasses. Uh, uh, yeah, I always forget he's not in the second one. I always yeah, forget that because he, Cornelius basically has a um, cameo. Right. You know they're not really in the film for long. Wait, wait a minute. Don't they go to? Don't, isn't the? Oh wait, no shit. No, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. I'll, I'll wait for you to get there. No, 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 no. The second one, Zira and Cornelius get in the ship and they got out of there. No, don't, you don't. That's that we don't, is. We don't see that in the second film. It ha, we see it at the top of the third one, right? Yes. And that was. Oh, um, you were out for popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> this happened in the movie that you saw two years ago. Now, can you imagine doing that now uh, in a film franchise? I can, can you, imagine. Certain fr- I can imagine certain franchises actually doing it. And okay, and- yeah, okay, but let's not talk about the Fast and the Furious. Right, right. Nobody's right. there. Nobody's like. I think I don't know. Maybe everyone's on their phone when they watch that crap. I don't know. <laughs> but um, no, I, I meant like. Um, uh, <laughs> I meant like you know an actual like if Marvel did this or right. you know. Um, it is it, to me. It's the equivalent of kind of like you know they they couldn't get a they couldn't get a. Didn't they not do a sequel with Jim Carrey and um, what's his name for Dumb and Number? They they did a they did one of them as younger. They couldn't get it done, and then they did one of them as younger, and they got two other actors to play them. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of like that. Like we couldn't do this, but we did this, and so it's like af- an afterthought kind of. And it's sort of that's what you know. They went, oh, we didn't know, we didn't know it was going to make money. We didn't, we didn't know. We didn't know. What was it? Was it um, 
isn't Sean Connery alive in Highlander 2, even though he's dead in the first yes. Highlander? Yeah, it's sort of like that, I guess. Yes, Some, it's, exa- it's exactly like that. Exactly. Yeah. And big enough. Yes. What, what I was going to say is, um, they. I guess what happened is they did this ending. Beneath was not critically loved, but it made a lot of money. And Fox is like, well, let's keep going. And they, they wrote, I think the, the fellow doing the plotting on this was a James Bond guy. Uh, nice connection to you. Oh, yeah. Paul Dane. Paul I think his name is Paul Dane, who was doing basically all of these scripts. And yeah, yeah. let me just see. Yeah, he, he wrote Goldfinger. And this bio came in from the cold. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Paul Dane, I believe, wrote. Yeah, he wrote all the sequels. He, he wrote Beneath, too. So, <clears throat> you know, he had to come up with something. And. It's it is su- it, it is it is really uh, Deus Ex Machina, you know, like somehow this ape you've never seen before, uh, Doctor Milo, played by Salminio, was in the Forbidden Zone the entire time and found a spaceship that wasn't meant to land on water, fixed it, and land, you know, figured out, oh, I can fly he this. A, he was a prodigy. Yeah, and. Uh, Cornelius and Zira just decided to go visit him at some point. And but why did they why did they take the trip in the were they trying to get away because they thought that that they knew that Armageddon was coming? Was that the, no no the, no no no? It doesn't really ever say that, uh, or does it? I can't remember. But anyway, listen, it, you're the yeah. ape here. Do they when they get to when they get to modern New York or whatever it is? Do they say why they were in the ship? Yeah. Dr. Milo found it and fixed it. And actually, I'll be honest with you. I think Escape is one of the better films in the franchise. Of all, but it's my least favorite. Of all the shots in all the eight movies and all the concepts, besides the original ending of the first film and the iconic lines that are said. Yes. The friggin' apes taking a gentleman. Welcome to the United States, or welcome to planet Earth. And when they yeah. take the helmets off, that is one of the single greatest shots in the history of motion pictures. It's yeah. completely insane. And, and, and it's got a great soundtrack, too. It's right? completely insane and campy and ridiculous, but it's iconic. It's, 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 it's great. It's one of my favorite things in all those movies. It, it, one of my favorite things about it, too, is you get a really good view of the ship. Yeah. And I remember that as a kid. And I remember watching that as a kid on the, you know, the movie for the Sunday afternoon. And, you know, because, again, I was trying to figure out how all this fit together. I remember Montalban. I think at that point, I I, I obviously knew him from Fantasy Island. Yeah. I don't think Khan had happened yet. Um, And so I, I don't know if I had seen Space Seed. I probably saw it before Khan, but didn't know, like, didn't make the connection once Wrath of Khan, you know, came out. Yeah. I remember the Grape Juice Plus stuff. I remember um, um, just the, you know, the, the, you know, the incongruity of them, you know, walking around Manhattan and and because it was, you know, that was the, the 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 cute thing of it or the fun thing of it was we're gonna we're gonna switch it now. We're yeah. there in a strange land walking around. And what a way to slash the budget. And then the ending, by bringing it right to modern day Los Angeles. Modern day modern day LA. And then the ending is just so. My God, like to put people through this, like it's just, you know, 
it's it's blood it's it's the first one you're you you're you come out of the theater in total shock because you've just had the rug pulled out from underneath you the second one everyone dies including the guy that was the hero with the first one who shows up for five minutes yeah the third one they get slaughtered and the baby the baby you know talks at the end they reverse the film or whatever but but they get shot and, and you know they crawl to each other, you know? It's it's horrific. I hated that as a kid. These are bleak movies. Yes, absolutely. Um, are, <clears throat> wait, no, wait a minute. They, so, so he's not in the fourth one. We go back to the future, and it's Galen. It's not Cornelius, because Cornelius is dead in the third movie, right? You no, know it's, it's Cornelius is dead in the third movie. It's not it's not Galen. It, it's Milo, their son. They named their son after... Um, Oh, right, right. No, I, that's right. Sorry, my bad. Milo grows up, and when we get to the fourth film, the baby, Milo, is rotting down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Down. And, and the, cat, the virus has come and killed all the domestic cats and dogs. And so naturally, the next pet everyone would get would be monkeys. Of course. They start, to, they start to mutate. Screw you, chinchillas and gerbils. Um, <laughs> yeah, the... Right, I keep forgetting that. The fourth one is one of my more favorite rewatchable ones i like escape i think escape is really well made but it's sad and um you know like that ending is so sad and conquest i really like because of its little attempt to build a futuristic society uh in a low budget way like they use century city or studio city in california yeah, oh yeah, I used to go out there and take pictures and stuff when I first got out here. Fun like, story. Um, the same people who designed that designed the university I went to. Oh, it was actually cute. supposed to be for the University, I think, of San Diego, and mm-hmm. they didn't use the design. So they used it in, in Toronto. And um, funny story, uh, it was meant to catch an ocean breeze. Uh, that doesn't work so well in a farm field in the middle of uh, like upstate or uptown Toronto. Mm. Um, this is what it sounded like in the window of my building all year long. <laughs> like <laughs> Windows used to shatter. It was like this incredible wind tunnel between the two buildings. But we had those like, we had those concrete stairways and bridges and rooftop patios and, those like <clears throat> if you ever wanted to film a tribute film, you just filmed it at York University because mm-hmm. it looked just like the city in Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. And it, it looked great on it, it. It, I mean, the the like you say, the little futuristic sort of uh, you know design things that, that that pop into it. But but the thing that kills me about it is again this bleakness of the the abuse of the apes and the oh yeah that man is this just asshole that is you know you know poor poor you know you know drink or eat or yeah no do do no do i i I truly love the um everyone's fashion sense at that time like it's supposed to be kind of like a a a bleak america right like it's dictatorship i guess and everyone's wearing like sport coats and turtlenecks have you noticed that in the film Is, is montalban in that one yes He's in that one. And who's the other guy? Who's the guy that, that sort of becomes a friend of his, too? Mm. The hero. That's a good... It's McDonald, a, yeah. Um, in the fourth one or just the fifth one? 
He's just in the fourth one. I don't know if they couldn't get him back because it, it seemed like they were setting him up to be in the fourth one because his wait. brother is in the, in the fifth one. Okay. So wait, does Montalban die? Yes. Um, this yeah, Armando dies, not giving up, um, not giving up uh, uh, Caesar or, or Milo to um, uh, Severn Darden, who's another kind of, speaking of like Victor Buono types, uh, Severn Darden was like one of those guys that really got around. Yeah. Second city guy. Yeah, very, he, he didn't, he was like a New England kind of voice, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, he was in everything. He was in, I think, Man from Uncle. He was in, he was in everything, that guy. He made the rounds. Very yeah, distinct. he really did. And um, he's, he's in this one and he, follows up in the sequel as well uh as as the same character but harry rhodes was playing mcdonald in this and i i i've got to figure that he got into another film or he was unavailable for battle because it really feels like like first of all he survived like they did change the ending of conquest there's there's a darker version of conquest of the planet of the apes if you've ever checked it out and no. oh yeah um it's it's on it's on the Blu-ray sets. Uh, the darker version is, um, and I think they had to re-edit the edit ending because at the ending of the original print, if I'm not mistaken, and I you know it's been a little while since I read this, but they um, the apes just like kill everybody, and they added this very tacked-on speech by Roddy McDowell saying we'll put down our guns today or you know and, and and you can really tell it's Roddy McDowell in a recording booth somewhere because his voice is like resonating off a wall mm. you know like you could kind of yeah yeah you know it, it's sort of like when you're watching well I used to watch a lot of American TV shows on the French channel mm-hmm. and people would be outside but you could tell very you know that the, whoever they were dubbing they were dubbing in like a broom closet you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's but, very, the, but the end that? of the book is very much like rise up and I mean it it knows the sequel's coming it knows the fifth one's coming right well yeah even the third one left that window open right mm-hmm. they stopped they stopped um, you mean with the baby yeah well yeah because you figured yeah stop I mean, painting themselves in a corner I mean they I suppose they could have ended there if it hadn't made money I suppose they could have just been oh look we're dropping planting a seed we'll come back to you someday but exactly. Yeah. But yeah, they, I, think, uh, I think Escape, by the way, was actually a big hit. Like it revitalized the franchise because of the concept changing. And it was actually a very good film. It was, you know, it was entertaining. Yeah. And yeah. I remember Escape being something of like a peak for the franchise. Except for the slaughter at the at the end. And yeah. then uh, so then so that's it's rise up at the end of the fourth one. And then you come back. And now how how far how much time has passed from four to five that all the apes are well, now? Here's, here's the thing. Around this time, and I'd say this is about 72 or 73, the first one goes on television. Uh, you know, like before it was like regularly in syndication. This was like a CBS movie of the week kind of thing. And this is when they started doing um, demographics in in viewership. And it started to you know come to to fox's uh 
notice that holy crap kids are watching this right lots of kids are watching this and that's where everything changes yeah so number five is easily the lowest budgeted one of the franchise it's also the most kidified of the franchise still like when you look at it now it's still dark and still has some real you know interesting um elements to it that wouldn't really fly in a kid's movie today but it has been severely toned down uh in terms of the film and also it doesn't really make a lick of sense uh all of a sudden you know it's supposed to be like i guess like 10 years after conquest but it doesn't it's you know there's been a nuclear war with all to coincide i guess um it's it doesn't you know they don't really try to explain how we got to here but you know it it gives them the ability to film it on i think the 20th century fox ranch you know making it a lot cheaper so it's not filmed in a city they had where they had like rubber masks they oh they they've been they've been using rubber masks by this point by beneath um if you watch some of the you know the the ape town halls you know where general urko is speaking or general mm-hmm. ursus is speaking mm-hmm. half half the the characters i think gilbert godfrey did a brilliant bit on this once i saw where half of them just look like they're shocked because their ape mouths are just hanging open because they're wearing <laughs> rubber masks and and you know blu-ray is not your friend watching any of them as the, as they drag on because yeah all the background extras are just wearing you know rubber masks yeah um but uh the um the fifth one they're reusing a lot of costumes they're you know they're they're all just wearing the planet of the apes wardrobe from the first two films now with no explanation you know <laughs> like they just and they're living in tree houses and mm-hmm. i i love the first half of it and i remember i saw that as a kid and it really blew my mind i loved that film as a kid and um you know it's meant for kids and but basically that going to the city and running into the mutants and um just just was was a great film and it's one of those things that i can fully um admit that it's good because i saw it as a kid it's not a great film and um you know and i can see how flawed it is and i still love it uh the um then they do try to set up a linking device between, you know, the past and the present, right? Or the past and the future. They, you know, they have the the lawgiver introduction with John Houston playing the lawgiver. Um, you know, there's a character in the film named Mendez, who um, is, you know, if you remember in Beneath, the leader was named Mendez, like they're the mutant generations. Um, so they did try to kind of like, uh, piece it together so to speak in a in a, mm. in a way and and of course it's got paul williams as virgil which I that's right it. and doesn't it have uh mark leonard isn't he general somebody no that's the tv series dude oh sorry yeah My, <laughs> you're thinking uh, uh claude akins plays general aldo claude akins is mm. general aldo aldo mm-hmm. and aldo like also a- sells polygrip like aldo rocco aldo 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 Cello, the wine. Aldo Ray, yeah. 
Aldo Ray? No kidding. Yeah. Aldo Ray. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's the one I've probably seen the least. Oh, really? Uh, oh, that was on all the time when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, it's or maybe I, I remember. I think the one that seemed to play the most, besides the original, was um, was Escape. That did seem to be on all the time. Them, them walking around L.A. or whatever it was, wherever they were. It's one of the few films where John Landis was, was an actor. Oh yeah, he and he hung around the, set long enough to oh, fine, get him, put him in a mask, get him to shut up. Stop now talking. he plays a human. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying he probably hung around long enough where someone said, put him in something because I can't hear him talk anymore. Get him in. <laughs> um, so, so now, so now the, the movie's done and it does okay, but they decide not to do any more movies. But they well, have they, all- what they did was uh, they, the movie's done, the, they, they marketed it in two different ways. They marketed it as, a, um, as just the film and then they marketed it as a festival. And the festival drew record numbers uh right you know thing, yeah. yeah in fact i was watching comedians and cars getting coffee and eddie murphy's talking about how he snuck out to go to this when i was a kid yeah big star trek fan too nobody yeah. ever talks about that but murphy is a massive star trek fan it's true he was loves supposed captain to be in kirk. star trek 4 yep he freaking loves captain kirk like yeah. he's religious about that show um so that so that but that but they they make it make a decision not to continue the no, because series. they got they picked it up. CBS picked it up as a television series. In but wasn't 74. that all? They had all the sets, like they had a lot of the stuff that was there at the same same locations and stuff. Like Mo- no, it, it was it was mainly done on on probably Fox Ranch. Um, the 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 TV series idea was you know again, it's unbelievable the legs this had in a time when people weren't really thinking about franchises in in this sense like this is not you know uh i think it actually helped form star wars to be honest with you Mm -hmm. uh i have often thought that lucas could not have been blind to all the planet of the apes merchandise and the comic books and yeah i i think so i think he was i think he was very aware of that i mean and the excuse that everybody always made i think was that was the only thing that it you know as a, as a franchise kind of thing that it, that had done well and that had merchandise that and it was weirdly it was weirdly handled too because um planet of the apes merchandising really didn't start until about late 1973 when a guy who worked at fox named selwyn rush started a company called srs merchandising and he had two clients at the time or two licenses he represented he represented planet of the apes and he represented evil knievel and in 1974, those were the top two toy lines, mm. you know, so he was doing really, really well. And, you know, his job and I, I spoke extensively with Marty Abrams about this for Toy Ventures magazine. And, and uh, I did a lot of reading up on the guy and the guy was just like peeling licenses like an onion, you know, um, <laughs> just <laughs> like he was trying to figure out it's it's done. It's licensing now. You know, like you get the three inch figure, you get the six inch figure, you get the nine inch figure, you know. Uh, but back then, this guy was amazing at it. Mm-hmm. And I forget how many millions he brought in, but it was really late in the game when they figured out kids loved apes. And um, the earliest stuff out there would be like the Adar model kits. And I think Mattel, you know, rushed out 
like some existing old Western guns and a mask. Mm-hmm. And those are really rare, by the way. I don't think, but like everybody had their fingers in apes, you know. And um, the, it was the the popularity of the film series, and then this announcement of a you know a CBS television series that they just thought this is a license to print money, and they were right for a short time. Yeah, well, it was. I mean, more more people had. I mean, very much. I would imagine like the Universal Monster stuff, where more people are seeing it on TV. The stuff's getting yeah run on TV more, more exposure by the time that movie comes out, and then the TV thing, and you know, and um, and yeah, that stuff must have done must have done well because it's you know you go you know at the time walking down the aisles, I suppose there wasn't a lot of you know it's mostly like gi joe or army things there weren't a ton of licensed things from shows and yeah there was there was no star trek toys at this time yeah other than yeah. the model kits and um yeah it you know the tv series and we'll get into it but it, it had a short run but then what immediately helped all the merchandise again was the next fall you had a short-lived cartoon series so weekly you know, and, and I don't think anyone was still making Planet of the Apes stuff, so that probably just kind of helped sell it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was even, like, I've even gone through some Amigos records, and they were going to show something Planet of the Apes related at Toy Fair 1976, but opted not to. So it wasn't completely dead, even though, you know, the phenomenon was starting to wind down. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, what a, what a great um that that period you know from 74 to about 76 there was some amazing merchandise put out and so much of it and well, a world, worldwide phenomenon too it's a it's a pretty amazing run from you know from the first film you know where there's nothing basically <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then this thing that just kind of keeps going and it keeps going in different formats and then merchandise like it had a good run you know those, yeah those, and then those, and show and and the show was what one season the show was one half of a season it was canceled in december it i you know we should probably talk about it because i i'm a huge fan of it um it but like, it is was, 12 it? Episodes? was it like 12 episodes 13 okay 13 i think yeah okay. um just like a lot of science fiction it got canceled you know the first problem with the show is again it was up against sanford and son <laughs> yeah. it was a powerhouse you can't beat fred sanford and, um, it, you know, it probably could have beaten Sanford Arms. And even though it. its ratings, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, the world's <laughs> biggest fan of Sanford. I've offended somebody in our audience. I'm going to get a nasty. going to get a letter. Grady is underrated and you. Yeah. Um, but the the series was, I like it, but it does suffer from something Harlan Ellison said once in an essay saying every TV show that science fiction is just the fugitive. And he's right. You know, you've got the Incredible Hulk. It's sort of the fugitive. You've got the Immortal. It's the fugitive. You've got the Invisible. Oh, no, maybe not the Invisible Man. But Planet of the Apes is definitely using the fugitive model. You know, hmm. they, they go from town to town trying to find their way home. Um, and they solve a problem. And, you know, there's, there's two astronauts and a fugitive chimp, again, Roddy McDowell, and I think it's David Naughton and Ron Harper. And Ron Harper was from, uh, he'd done a, he did a stint on Land of the Lost as well as Uncle now, Jack. Now, um, wait, hold, two things. One, 
Roddy McDowell's character is now that's Galen. No, that's Galen. That's Galen in the show. So yeah, is he, and and Vigo just put the Cornelius figure on a new card. Is he related to to anybody? Like, is he related to Caesar or? Um, it's never. It's it, you know the 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 first thing that I do uh, find interesting about the show is they sort of change everything up. Uh, you know, it's it's Burden and Burke and another astronaut, and that astronaut dies. Same ship. Uh, they come to Earth. The humans can talk because no guest star wanted to play a mute. And there's it, no there's no reference to what's come before. No, none at all. Okay. And they find all sorts of um, I think they find all sorts of like ideas, like all kinds of notations that humanity it didn't end the way it did in the Apes movies. Like there's shots of the future, like, you know, the year 2400 they find in a book and it's sort of like, oh, OK, so this is they're just not following the movie, the movies at all. And then, you know, you've got Dr. Zayas, but you have no Cornelius, no Zira, no General Ursus. It's General Urko or, you know, uh, as the main villain with played by Mark Leonard, Spock's dad. Um, uh, there's Mark Leonard and your favorite. Booth Coleman. Booth Coleman, oh, bless his heart. Booth Coleman, oh, he was a fixture down at the shrine. He was, and I would have, I would have geeked out over. You would have, you would have moved in with him. Yeah, yeah, we would have and then gotten an apartment with him. Got a modest senior's apartment, rent control, hopefully. Across the street from freaking Taco Bell, that would have been a sitcom. The dude, the dude was not only Doctor Zayas, but he was in a kung fu. Me and Booth. Um, and by the way, it was it was uh, James Naughton, who was David Naughton's older brother. You're right. So James wow. was the hunky guy who was in Chicago, the musical, and yeah. he was in a other TV series. And then, of course, David Naughton was the Dr. Pepper guy. James was, Naughton was Jonathan's dad on Who's the Boss. And Jonathan's dad on Who's the Boss. That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, not not his finest work, I'll admit, but. What are you talking about? Checks are probably coming in. Yeah. But uh, what are, the other guy just kind of disappeared, right? The the Ron Harper guy. Did he ever do anything else? You know, yeah, he, he didn't really make I, – I can't – you don't see him much. He's still around, and he does shows. He does signings and such. Um, I have his autograph. I have, uh, I have Naughton's and McDowell's and his on one piece of paper. It's really cool. Um, but, uh, no, he doesn't – he didn't really show up much after that. Did it uh, not? He did one season of Land of the Lost, and uh, was he the was he the brother? He, he was Uncle Jack. Yeah. He was the uncle. He yeah. Was the uncle? Oh, okay. Oh, that uh, that kind of makes sense now. I always find it funny um, <laughs> when like uh, when they had to refilm the starting. Uh, Ron Harper, like they just had to say, Uncle Jack went looking. And when he goes down the waterfall, he just goes like, ah, like, it's just not a very good convincing. I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, it just. You didn't find that's the bit you didn't find believable. Is what yeah, no, I, I know the show is silly, but he just kind of had this kind of like phoned it. in. He's probably thinking at the time, I wish I was making more Planet of the Apes, frankly. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather not do 
rather not be in a raft with a green screen right now. He, he, he might have been sitting there thinking like, oh, wow. Yeah, things aren't things aren't going great. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I think he did a lot of soaps after. Well, as long as working, that's fine. Yeah, whatever so, the, so, the, so the show hits and it doesn't the ratings are not. It's not doesn't do well enough to to warrant a, to keep it because it was meant to be a longer season. It was expensive because of all the makeups. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was meant to you know, but they they did I think fourteen, and um, it just it just didn't really. Um, and when you watch the show, it's very formulaic. Yeah. Um, no. Not breaking new ground or anything, but it's it it filled the adventure slot for, for television. Oh, absolutely, and I mean it wasn't any different than a lot of television shows at the time. Uh, yeah, there's I mean, some it, really great guest stars on that show, though. Well, it's like Logan's Run. Like, don't take this the wrong way, but I I, uh, I know, but I found it a while back, and it's I thought, on Tubi. Yeah, I'll buy I'll buy this for twelve dollars or whatever, and you know it's it's a it's a it's a fun little piece of nostalgia. Like I didn't finish a single episode. That's think. it. We're breaking up. But you know, it is fun. You go, oh, there's, there's Nicholas Hammond. Or like, oh, yeah. there's, uh, you know, um, Squeaky From showed up yeah. in one episode. I think. There's that like, guy. There's that guy that's in a whole bunch of Battlestar Galacticas. There's the Duncan Lance, Donuts. Lance. Oh, Lance. Lance Legault. Lance Legault. Yeah. yeah. Legault, I would talk like this. Everything you did. Lance Legault, weirdly enough, tying it all together. Is in the episode with the dad from Land of the Lost, Spencer Milligan. Of course, he, every and, network had a contract with him that he had to be in any kind of action. Spencer Milligan, or Lance Legault. <laughs> he, he had a deal with every network to be in any show that they ever needed. And to get even weirder, I own a prop from that Lance Legault, Spencer Milligan episode. Yeah, that is weirder. You're right. One of my favorite episodes of uh, the Planet the Planet of the Apes TV series has um i can't remember the name of the episode but basically um peter burke and general urko are trapped in a subway station mm-hmm. and the 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 other ape in that episode is norman alden who was the voice of aquaman on the super friends oh and he was also frank on Electro woman and dina girl oh yeah he was um yeah, he was also he was in Ed Wood. He was in Ed Wood. Yeah, he's great in Ed Wood. He pops up in Ed Wood, and you go, "Don't you want to shoot that again?" The big guy had trouble going through the door. <laughs> he told you what? Is that all you want? No, just one. We're good. We don't have a problem. Yeah, yeah. Fun. <laughs> um, but he listen, to the, listen to these listen to these actors in this episode in this show for fourteen episodes, right? So you've got John Hoyt, Martin Brooks, uh, Beverly Garland. Uh, yes. William Smith, Sandra Locke, hey. Royal Dano, Royal Dano, Roscoe Lee Brown, your buddy, Roscoe, Roscoe Alden, Percy Roscoe Rodriguez. Percy was in everything. Yeah, it's the same thing with Logan's Run. Haley. It's the same thing with uh, Battlestar Galactica. Like these yeah. faces, like freaking Fred Astaire showed up in Battlestar Galactica. For God's sake. Like Mark I'm Singer. Thinking, it's insane. The faces. Uh, J.J. Robinson. I, I was surprised yeah. at all the faces in Logan's Run. Like oh, all yeah. The, you know, um, I mean, Heather Menzies, obviously, you know, but she ended up, um, didn't she end up marrying Gregory Harrison? One day together, no, she married Robert Urich. Robert Urich, yes. Well, they're both hunky. But yeah, they yeah. were, um, 
uh, and then, you know, just, just all the faces that would kind of pop up and even in, in these little parts. So that was fun, but it's not a thing. Here's, that here's, I, here's I an actor to... that I, you, I love the Logan's run show, but I understand. It, it, uh, is, um... it is. I understand. I mean, it's like, it is, there's not, there, there is a nostalgia for it. I get it, but you can't tell me that it's, that it's a, a, well, no, it's not. No, no, it's, it's, it's totally, no, it's totally competently done. It's, 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 it's earnest. It's earnestly done. No, no, nobody's no, you know, there's no, you don't see the strings and it's like, it is what it is. And, and if, if you're, if you're a kid and you're watching a square TV, that that's your world, you know, that you wouldn't know that it was lower budget and it didn't, you know, didn't really have the, the, the oomph behind it. It would have been a, a, a way, even like fantastic voyage that you love. Like I, I tracked down a region two DVD of that and I watched it and it, I remember watching it as a kid, like these vague memories of it. Um, but it is the same thing. It's the same kind of, they go to a new play. Something's going to happen. Yeah. Someone's going to get sacrificed. Someone got seduced. Are they going to get on the thing? Dun, 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 dun. Oh, go that, to- that is a show that I think starts out strong and just completely runs out of gas by the, by, like, by no, the time they're done. Some episodes are almost incomprehensibly bad. But, like, but no, it's like someone took the show Bible and said, let's just forget about this. Like we, we were setting something up, but let's just, let's just not reference it again and just go to different places. And, and characters yeah. like leave the show. Like Katie Saylor just leaves the show. And Roddy's, and, Roddy's like totally underutilized, I think, in most of that show. It's cool that he's there, but he's. You know, it's so almost like they started him off, and I liked how they started him off, where he's kind of like the Doctor Smith. And... You don't, yeah, you don't, it's interesting how they start him. Like, yeah, is he, good? Is he bad? Is he going to be, you know, because that's what he he would, you know, he didn't really. He's mostly likable in most of what he does. Yeah, um, but then but, they don't go anywhere with that. They just kind of like that. That just he just becomes another one of the characters, and um, so it's too bad nostalgic things like i dipped into the the tv series a while back i either had the box set at one point or the planet of the apes planet of the apes yeah yeah I, I watched a few of them and they're like oh this is you know this would have been a cool thing i would have been you know glued to but none of it is like none of the things we've just mentioned and i, I mean probably biased are as vibrant or as exciting as an episode of star trek like there's something about that show, the look of it and the and the effort put out, even when it was as cheesy as it could be, there's there's the music and the sets and the colors and the that you see why that thing was blew up in syndication because it was this it was like pop art and it and it sort of captured the 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 eye. And then you know, some scripts are a little more sleepy and a little less happens, but those three leads you you can't lose so i think everything was trying to catch that magic and go we can do this you know we can we can have a popular thing that's that's sci-fi you know because what would i mean kolchak kolchak's a weird one too because it's it's in that in that era where they're trying everyone's trying to get like some kind of a genre thing going yeah but they're all they're all falling um they're all falling to the, the 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 tv formula you know, where I think one of the reasons that sci-fi and fantasy and all this stuff is now more predominant is we're doing things like story arcs and shorter seasons. And, you know, it's not this idea of we've got to make 26 ducats this year. What do we do? And they, there's no plot and we can't have any continuity between episodes, you know, that kind of thing. And um, funny because that's also a very um, it's a very American thing. And we've talked about this many, many times. We even did a special episode about 
British shows coming to America or, you know, being remade or whatever. And I remember I saw, that one. I saw this great documentary about uh, the British show Porridge, which is another I love Porridge com that got made into a, a film. But, um, you know, uh, uh, Clement and Frenet, the the uh, the guys that uh, Frenet, who did who wrote it and wrote a bunch of other shows and stuff, they came here in the mid 70s to do an American version after the first series of Porridge, which I didn't know. So they're in this documentary, it's like a three-part thing, and they're talking about the experience even in the mid-70s. And they were Is that saying- that called Doing Time? It was Doing Time. And yeah. It, some of it, some of them, some of the episodes even like recycled scripts, like 80% of a script from a, you know, the original Porridge scripts. But they they were talking about it, like this, this, this documentary was like five years ago, and they were saying, Oh my God! It was just a completely different experience. Like the the you know, and then and then Eric Idle shows up in this documentary and he says in, in America you'd have you'd have a, a room of twenty writers all taking different scripts or all trying and and all the it just becomes like line line joke line line yeah. joke yeah yeah and they did they I think that that got a season and it got like twenty three episodes. Whereas Porridge would have been like six, six. or whatever. Yeah. That, six that's, really funny episodes. And they, wrote, and they wrote every one of them. They wrote every one of them. And you see it over and over again with, the, with the, the British stuff that I love. And when these, you know, the creators get to make something or take it from radio to, to television, they write it, they star in it, you get X number of, of, of shows. It's why I think the stuff that's more unique that I love, you really can't translate to make it, you, you can't do space. You can't do League of Gentlemen. You can't do, you know, uh, an, an American version of Alan Partridge. It's just, it's, it's, it is what it is. They're very unique. But some of the stuff they, they try to do, and they were talking about even, even then, how weird the system was. And they were saying, we were used to, you know, filming an episode and getting to the, the BBC bar by, you know, eight o'clock. Yeah. Here, we never went home before midnight trying to make this show. And they, they turned down a second season. I think ABC was like, well, let's do another season. It, it did okay. And they were like, no, we're good. We're going back. To, we're going back to the UK <laughs> to make the show. So No, so, thank you. And, and I, think, I think that what you're describing really <laughs> is the same kind of model. If you look at, you know, the things that have really stood out, like forget Game of Thrones, because that's not something that's universally loved. That is a very specific, you know, kind of audience even though it's, you know, hugely popular, but something like, you know, Mandalorian or, or some of the Marvel stuff, there's a, a small team, I think, and you've got this sort of vision of an arc and it, it works, but I think it's very much harking back to the way these British shows were made. And instead of doing, you know, a room of 20 writers and 30 episodes in a season, they're, they're it, you know, it all kind of caught up. And then of course the technology caught up so that you don't have to have every episode in the same you know, in the same computer room in Logan's Run or the same yeah, yeah. the same forest that we're walking through where there's a, you know, we, we spent the budget on the floaty car or whatever, you know, now you can you can do much more with it, you know. So 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 to what you, your first point about Planet of the Apes series, like I could see it coming back as like a, an HBO Max thing or something like an eight or ten episode thing and taking it anywhere, you know, different would be super cool. You know? Yeah, um, like I said, like that Planet of the Apes uh, concept that they're floating at Disney Plus. I'm all for a limited. Oh, Planet it's Disney of the Apes Plus. Series. Disney Plus. Yeah, well, that that's what I've heard. Um, it could end up somewhere else. I don't. know. That would be cool. I would prefer that to a movie. I, I would. 
love any sort of you know like let's try something different with this um, okay wait let's get back here though so the so the tv series hits then the then the cartoon hits or was it yeah like what the tv series hits it's only successful with children it gets canceled because of you know it's costly and um it you know it, it was i love the show but it's it's not that remarkable a television series mm-hmm. you know it's just another it's a fun um <clears throat> delve into the universe you know it, it's a subject matter i like i like the characters i love the look of it but you know i mean it, even then it's starting to kind of run out of where are they going to go what are they going to do right um <clears throat> you know it, it it's it's following the exact same pattern as kung fu where you know he's just wandering around fixing problems and one of the biggest jokes i can say about this show was I, you know, I grew up with a guy that loved Planet of the Apes and all that stuff. And and I think when we were in our 30s, the show came out on DVD and I immediately ran out and bought it and I watched them. And, you know, did you get the monkey head? No, 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 no. I I don't like stuff like that. And uh, he said, hey, man, can I borrow those Planet of the Apes TV shows? Like, oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And he returns them about a week later and he goes, you know what I love about this show? Those guys are experts at everything. Like one week they can they're both amazing riders of horses. The next week, oh my god, they're doctors. You know, <laughs> and then the next week they're both like amazing fighters. What do you mean the you astro- know, they're gladiators, <laughs> the, astronauts. Yeah. the astronauts. And then he's like, and then a week later, they're like scientists. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, that I never even noticed that. Like they're always ready. Like, you know, Pete, we could build a battery. Yeah, let's work on it. And it's like, I, Jason, if you and I were in the future and we found a computer disk, do you think you and I could build a battery? I think you'd be on battery duty. I think you can yeah. build, you build. I would I would keep the I would keep the crowd calm. I would go out and say he's almost done with the battery. Give him another week. He's just looking for a radio shack. Yeah, I would, uh, distract, I would distract the crowd who's vicious because you you claimed you could do it and you and you can't you clearly can't yeah um but yeah. that's what but that's what set that's what was interesting about Battlestar Galactica that's what sets it apart is that there was an arc they were they they had a, a, a set way to go over a couple of seasons and then the the network said Wolfman it, Jack it, it did really well we're gonna let's get more shows and suddenly the budget which was like a million an episode I think they that they were scrambling to write scripts. And so you had these sort of movie of the week things where this was, you know, Towering Inferno. And then this one is about something else. And then and then back to the main story that would keep dipping into them looking for this planet, which was very different for the time. I can't think of another show that sort of had a through line like that that was going to be, you know, the, in the narrative. So it 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 that was screwed up by by the network wanting too much and expecting too much and and because it was so expensive it got yeah. canceled but it was freaking huge the ratings were big on that on that show but couldn't keep up so the so the cartoon hits cartoon probably does okay on saturday morning no actually no i don't even know but the cartoon i think is one of the more innovative ideas um and i'll explain why the, the credits credit. are great. Um, it really suffers in the animation department. It is by DePatty Freeling, who were not known for making adventure cartoons. They were more made, yeah. you know, funny cartoons. Um, but the thing I really like about it is one, 
they kind of decided to put the apes in a more modern society, almost like the Bull <laughs> books. So they have planes and jeeps and yeah, cars. They could, and, they could now do it with the animation, right? Yeah, exactly. You did, yeah. They could build a world. So that adds to the idea of it. They kept a lot of the notions of the the original series, you know, or the original movies with like they have mutants and they have but they're building their own universe and you know there's even like giant monsters and volcanoes that the one that just really resonates in my mind is the volcano episode. But you know it is it is completely its own animal. It is are there humans in the cartoon? I yeah, yeah, there's three human astronauts. Uh, and then, of course, there's like Nova and all those characters as well. Like, I can't quite remember. I don't think the humans can speak. Okay. But what's interesting is that um, the Planet of the Apes, um, Battle for the Planet of the Apes had um, a different guy playing McDonald. He playing McDonald's brother, Austin Stoker. And Austin Stoker is one of the astronauts on the cartoon. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Uh, he's Jeff, I believe. And uh, so that's kind of a cool thing. I just want to bring up one little weird aside because this freaked me out. I, I left the I was trying to see if Paul Dane wrote all four of the sequels. Uh -huh. And it just this flashed before me uh, during World War Two. He was stationed at Camp X in Ontario, Canada. That's where I live. You live in Camp X? I live I live in the town where Camp X is from. There's a big Camp X uh, statue downtown. Oh, no kidding. Um, yeah, this is the birthplace no of James Bond, too. No wonder you're so into this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been preordained. Preordained, yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the, the, the cartoon series, it's a slog, uh, but I love it. And I turned my kid onto it when he was really young, and he loved it. He was obsessed with it. Uh, he would love the Star Trek, the animated series, and he loved the Planet of the Apes cartoons. Oh, my God. Uh, I love the Star Trek series. I just, yeah, yeah. My, my, in fact, I had to get my son the Mr. Eric's uh, Christmas. Um, yes, the design aesthetic for that, for that Star Trek and obviously the Flash Gordon cartoon. Yeah. But the way, they, the way they the way they made the job they did of of making of taking human actors that are well-known already in syndication and made them, put them into animation. They're brilliant designs. The yeah. Shadow and, the, and the, I mean, Nimoy is the only one who looks a little more animated, but like Sulu and, and they really uh, boiled them down to their essence. Like yeah. they got, they nailed them. Yeah. They're like, they're like walking Mego figures. Like yeah. They, and a lot of people think the Mego figures are based on a cartoon. They are not. Uh, but it's just that, again, the Mego figures just nailed their likenesses yeah. to a uh, just, you know, they just got them down to what you knew them for. Right. And I was talking to one of the sculptors at Mego and he's like, yeah, you're always looking for an expression they made or, you know, and, and a lot of these guys said they had to work with Polaroids off a TV screen. Oh, <laughs> You know? Can you I mean the materials they must have had to work with to, to yeah. come up with it? But yeah, the uh, one but thing about the cartoon that I do find problematic, and this is just me, is General Urko is voiced by replacement Fred Flintstone, not the original Fred Flintstone, but you know like Henry Corden, oh, the yeah. guy 
I think Alan Reed was the original Fred Flintstone, and he died like sometime in the seventies. Henry Corden ended up doing the thing as well. Oh God! Like, did he? Fred Flintstone ended up doing the thing. Ring, do your thing. I think he oh, did. Oh the... no! Maybe, maybe. That maybe is an abomin- of the abomination of the Herbie, uh, the Hermie, Herbie robot animated series. I think that might. Oh where Henry Corden was Ukla the Mock. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. That I knew that. <laughs> Also, um, wait a minute. He was going to, was he, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. In the, in the TV movie, which didn't, which didn't get hit until 82, the Flash Gordon TV movie that, that was supposedly released theatrically in Europe or something. Oh yeah. It, I love that movie. Okay. So fun in that is voiced by Ted Cassidy. It was one of the last Indeed. things Ted Cassidy did. Yeah. In, in the series, Thun is voiced by. I want to say one of the Flint's, one of the Fred Flintstone guys. Uh, I could be wrong. It's it may not Gordon. Um, no, I can't um, find him here. Um, he did something else that was kind of famous. Another character that was pretty, pretty famous, and now I can't think of who it was. But um, so, so after the animated series, what? There must have been talk for years about somebody doing another Planet of the Apes. If there was, I really don't know. I felt like what really seemed to happen was any kind of fandom got, got kind of eaten alive by Star Wars. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, it was always it was always around, and people always referenced it. I think it, I think it's a thing that gets handed down. You know, I think every generation kind of hands Planet of the Apes down to. Yeah, I think what yeah. kept it alive in the '80s was home video. Yeah, um, that it really did, um, you know, that kept it alive and, and Apes Week and packaging those TV movies for syndication. Um, and then, of course, parody like, you know, the apes ended up in um, Spaceballs. And I'm just trying to think what else. But, yeah, well, it became part of our pop culture. Yeah, yeah. I think Roddy McDowell being a fixture for for years after and everybody, I think it became the thing he was most known for, really. And by the way, Thun the Lion Man, I believe, is Alice the Butcher. Or uh, Sam the Butcher from... Sam um, the Butcher, yes. I know exactly who it is. Liquid Plumber! But I think he did, I think he did the thing in a cartoon as well. I could be Uh, wrong. I think you're right. Or the alternate Flint, Fred Flintstone did thing in a cartoon. No, there was a Flintstones and Thing series, though, which must have made Jack Kirby, like, homicidal. Making um, me homicidal. Just Yeah, thinking. yeah. I mean, but Jack Kirby actually thought he was the Thing. Um, and, you know, it, he, he identified with, with Ben Grimm. So that must have been, like, heartbreaking. Um but it's it's weird when I think about this now that like from the mid seventies until until two thousand one or whatever it was that Burton did, I mean wasn't there talk in the nineties or like the there there was oh yeah there was, you wasn't, know what? Wasn't there talk was, of I'd say in the early nineties yeah there was a James Cameron no but yeah but wasn't Schwarzenegger gonna do like a, a big budget thing with yeah. He was going to be the astronaut and whatever and but that was what early nineties maybe yeah I actually had a book. And I, you know, I think I bought it around the time the Burton Apes film came out. But what it was talking about was all the 
like the weird remakes leading up to that. I like stuff like that. I like, you know, abandoned projects. And there's a book called The Greatest Sci-Fi Movies Never Made. That yeah. Came 20 years ago. And it's got all and it, and it, it talks about Avatar in that. And that Cameron, Cameron will never get to make these. And this is just, <laughs> you know, it's too it's too elaborate and blah, blah, blah. But it's got it's filled with all those those, you know, things that we heard about for so long that never got made. But um, but so was it was it Cameron that was going to do it? Was yeah, it? The, there was a there was a script. And you're going to have to where humans were dying. Due to a disease. And I think the disease was coming from prehistoric times. And this is all just being pulled right out of my, you know, mm-hmm. uh, my rear end. But and he wasn't going to be an astronaut. He was going to be Schwarzenegger was going to be a time traveler. Then he was going to go back to when apes ruled Earth. It, it sounded weird. It sounded really, um, you know, overly complicated. Because what wasn't wasn't I mean Schwarzenegger is one of the there was a time there after Terminator Two, I think, and when last last action hero did you know did well but it's sort of like okay what's he going to do next where his name started being associated with all these sort of iconic like there was always talk of another conan like a king conan thing there was talk of uh, an omega man remake i think where he was going to he was going to be the guy wasn't wasn't that yeah there was an i am legend with him as well i believe um Planet of the Apes. Planet was- of the Apes was the one, though, that he was attached to for a while. He was also attached to Sergeant Rock for much Sergeant of the... Sergeant Rock was another one. Oh, which made was- no sense. Like, but, you but can't it- have a Germanic Sergeant Rock. It would have been so... Some of these things you just go, why couldn't... Like, whatever this Planet of the Apes thing was going to be, if Schwarzenegger at that time would have been in it, it would have been insane. It would have been yes. so... Well, that's insane. the thing, though, is there's only so many hours in the day... Yeah. And does he make a Total Recall or does he make a Planet of the Apes or does he make the film we talk about every week, Junior? End of day. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, end of day. Eraser. Eraser. Like he's doing these other things. You're going, why can't you guys just get the apes thing going? Nobody's doing anything with it. People would go mental if he showed up and was, you know, running from apes or there was some you know fighting big ape people or something like that would have been crazy he, he became mr science fiction for a while for sure yeah um <clears throat> although i do think that the last action hero really was like uh, a stick in his spokes so to speak it's yeah. it's a weird movie i, I revisited it like Can't 20 years it. later kind of yeah. thing and it's a, it's a weird it's weird it's really meta before meta was a thing oh yeah yeah it's cringy in fact i'll tell you I did this at a, we were at a drive-in watching it and we got about probably like 40 minutes into it and what we did there were three screens at this drive-in we just like drove to the other screen and I don't even know what we watched but uh, like Quit probably me. boomerang or something like that we just couldn't sit through it anymore yeah it's but it's a weird it's a weird footnote of like all the and I think it's McTiernan too, right? Didn't John McTiernan direct it's it? It's just too? a celebration of excess. Um, yeah, like it was setting out to poke holes in it, but it just was it bigger and sillier. And it's 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 but it, and it's all also one of those things that fans. There are people that love that movie that like think it's this forgotten gem of of the '90s or something. Um, 
But well, like, was... you know, like we were talking the other day uh, when we did the movie poster episode and I brought up uh, Nothing But Trouble. And, you know, that is a movie people really like. It was a horrible, terrible flop at the time. But now people are starting to say it's it's insane. It's fantastic, you know. Um, yeah, it's the we- it's that weird line between something that's called that that has a quality to it that the masses didn't quite get at the time that yeah word of mouth builds and then something that you're attracted to just because it's so it's so bonkers it's so bonkers yeah you know, like I, I, like you ever see cloud atlas have you ever seen cloud atlas no i couldn't sit through that no. but it's one of those things that is so you there are moments you're going what is what did you just do that that when i was finished it i went i have to admire the gumption yeah. That that went ahead with some of these ideas and thought this shouldn't be a problem. This will be. They don't okay. give Oscars for gumption, Jason. No, they don't. They certainly don't. I know that for sure. Um, okay, so all so so we're talking about it. We're talking about it, and then the Burton thing. Now, my understanding of the Burton thing was he wasn't that keen. There was something else that he had lined up that either fell. He through. was not. Yeah, I think he was um, a last minute um, replacement. I. Like a lot of people, when, whenever you wade into this conversation about this film, you know, some people are very dismissive about it. And, you know, I understand. I think he, the, the defenders will always come and say, wasn't his film and it was already cast, meaning that Wahlberg was already the star. Fucking Wahlberg, man. I totally I always forget he's in it because I try yeah. to just I try to just think about the apes because it's it's Rick Baker. Right? Didn't Rick Baker yeah. do the I mean it's yeah. the the ape stuff is is fantastic. It still looks really good. The the Giamatti as the orangutan and Oh yeah. And I think about but no, no, just just an aesthetic, just the look of it. The oh main, no, 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 no. I I I am just saying look, yeah, I, I just okay. I'm not a big Paul Giamatti fan. But so I mean you have, to, you have to look at the 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 the, the, the thing like the, the score is great, the opening credits are fantastic. That that theme that Elfman does is great. Mm-hmm. It, it look great. It never doesn't look like it's shot like on a studio lot. It, it never it never felt like it was shot on a location to me. So never yeah, it, it does suffer for a little bit from fake jungle syndrome. Yeah, fake jungle syndrome. It doesn't have that that sort of scope. But I remember getting excited for it because I thought, well, this is going to be weird. It's going to be it's going to be a Burton version of what this world is, and it's probably the least Burtony thing that he ever did because it's. It's pretty like anybody could have sort of done this. There's nothing really Tim Burton about the movie, which I think kind of says everything, whether you like him or not. It's not there, it wasn't a good fit. But um, I remember Tim Roth. Turned down the Snape role in the Harry Potter films Ooh. to do this. He had to choose between Snape and the general dude in Planet of the Apes, thinking that this was going to be pro- probably a bigger, longer franchise. Um, and well, the rest is history, but that would have been a weird alternate universe that Alan Rickman wouldn't have done, wouldn't have been Professor Snape, and it would have been Tim Roth, which was Wow, weird. I did not know that. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. You know, I look, I put it on occasionally because it's like always on demand, and there's parts, there's things to it I really like and admire. It, it looks great. Um, and Carrie, um, Who's the guy? Carrie. Carrie. Oh, uh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Oh, he's so, 
he's he was in he was in uh, a Bond film. He was in The Man in the High Castle. I can never think of he his was name. in The Phantom. He's got he's, such a he's cool. he's, he's Song in The Phantom. You know, oh, he's right? such a great look, and he's like he's like the royal you know pr- you know the princess is like you know yeah uh, yeah he's great he's got the big white streak yeah oh, great and then michael clark duncan i think is in it the late michael clark duncan yeah do you know he had to be brought to the hospital in full makeup because he hurt his leg no yeah i would i would have killed to to have been there yeah but uh you know but it's it's got it it's it just it it you can't tell if it's like it, it's it's it does that thing that I think that that second uh, you know Abrams you know Star Trek it's like it's going along at a certain clip and you're going well this is kind of interesting I mean you can't if you can ignore the Wahlberg always out of breath and always delivering the same line reading and everything um, but then it just starts to go like are you sort of remaking the original film is it a remake is it a reimagining is it doing something different and I still don't think I fully understood the ending of of the movie because that was one of those early you know internet debates of no, it's there's a no. You got it wrong. It's a really cool ending. Here's what it is, and I never fully understood because it because that's a complete ripoff of or a nod to the original film. That it, it's that, actually a nod to the original book. So okay, so that was it. So let's so I mean spoilers at this point. If anybody hasn't Has seen anyone read Monkey Planet, yes, um, read Monkey Planet or seen the Tim Burton Like the film. original book, what it is, is these people are in a spaceship, a solar sailor. So like they've got solar sails and they're, mm-hmm. and they pick up this, they find this package and it's got a book in it. And it's the story of the character that we would know as Taylor. You know, um, I, I don't think his name is Taylor. I think it's a French name. And they, you know, it talks about, you know, um, he goes to this planet, it's planet of apes. He escaped, you know, I won't get into the whole thing, but there's elements of the movies that he goes home. And as he lands his ship, he's greeted by apes. And um, the people reading the book, you're revealed. And this is, you know, the O. Henry twist. They're apes. And they're going, what a silly book, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so it really is going right back to the Bool ending. But isn't it? But it's a time thing, right? He he. Wahlberg goes back at the end. He's trying to get home. He comes back to a planet that there's a statue. He comes back to Earth, but instead of the Lincoln Memorial, it's it's the Tim Roth. It's it's the Tim Roth. I don't. You know, I I I I I don't know if that's just trying to be. Um, you know, got you with a twist ending, or if it's. If no, there's wait. a deeper meaning to that, I've never really. I haven't seen it, up. but I remember that that when it starts, it is kind of a mystery. It doesn't it start with like they find something or. Oh yeah, a, there's a total time warp thing in there. Um, the time warp thing kind of reminds me of that that Lost in Space movie too. Remember they kind of play with time in that. Yeah, with the kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know. I and to be honest with you, I like. <clears throat> It was produced also at a time when they were making stuff like that, you know, the Dean, the Roland Emmerich type films. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know how much um, we were supposed to read into that. I do. I do find this funny, though. I swear to God. All that merchandise for the movie. 
which kids didn't want. I don't think collectors really wanted. I swear to God, it got like um, express shipped to every antique mall that I go to. You know, like I still around. Yeah, it was yeah. a terrible toy line. Like the 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 choices made and the the kind. Of, I forget who was it. Hasbro that did it. Was it Hasbro, Hasbro did it, and they did. You know, they used those GI Joe Hall of Fame bodies for the twelve inches. The 12 inches, but then the, the actual figures themselves were a weird size. Weird. Yeah, they were weird sized, and they were like, I really liked Wahlberg's astronaut uniform. And the figure of Wahlberg has got him like posed with his gun out. Yeah. And it's sort of like, what is this for a kid? Is this for a collector? I don't know who this is for. You know, like it was a weird toy line. Yeah. And, and they did, I think they did the little chimp in the, with the ship. They made a figure of him. Simios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it just it, it just was a, you know, but then I think right after that, they got the license for the original films as well. Yeah, I was actually really, that's the one thing that I'll never, um, I'll never begrudge any kind of remake or anything like that, is it always does get you, like, fun stuff from the original. And, uh, you know, Hasbro made some 12-inch um like, I think I bought the 12-inch Taylor when it came out. Um, yeah. That was the like first a... time you got a Taylor figure, you know? Yeah. And um, uh, they made some... I, I don't really even like the figures Hasbro put out, but then you had Medicom and Sideshow and, you know, all these different companies uh, making Apes toys. And we're, like, leading up to the fact that now... Um, You've got three companies making uh, Apes figures. I've got Mego. I've got, you know, new Mego Apes figures, Super 7, and uh, Mezco is making, like, that six-inch stuff as well. I don't know if they're going to continue onward with it, but, you know, there's been some really cool uh, oh, merchandise. The 112 things? Yeah, I, I bought the Zayas. I, I, I sold it to a friend, but because I just... I just uh, can't get my mind around those 112. I can't, you know what? I bought it because at the time no one was doing Apes. And then Mego, Mego launched the Apes line like right after I got it. And I was like, well, I'm just, I'm going to concentrate on Mego. I mean, I can get four figures for the same price as this, you know? But they did, but like Hasbro did, I remember they did, they did, uh, you know, they did like a great little Cornelius that came with a scroll and like a little paper airplane, you know? Yeah. I mean, limited articulation, but you're going, oh my God, this is a, this is the closest we get to like an action figure sort of that was, yeah. And, and you got all the stuff on DVD again and yeah. there was other merchandise. It, it started a renaissance of ape stuff. And I was, you know, I was happy. You got books on the subject and, you know, um, my son thinks one of the funniest, uh, Planet of the Apes memories for him is my mom bought me this huge Planet of the Apes books about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Christmas, because you know what else? She, she knows I like Planet of the Apes, so she bought yeah. me this. And it was Christmas Eve, and my dad was just like transfixed in it. And it was like weird that my dad was so into it, um, because he's not really that big into science fiction and stuff. And my son comes up to me and says, "You know, Grandpa's like really into that Planet of the Apes book." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm worried he's he's gonna find out it was Earth," you know. And we just had a laugh about it. My son still brings that up, you know. Like, did he ever? Did he ever find out? Yeah, he said, "Damn you all to hell," and then it ruined yeah. Christmas. And you ruined, and you ruined the film. Yeah. Uh, so then, so that hits in. I think that was two thousand one. I think that Burton movie. Yeah. 
So then the first Reeves movie was 2008 or 9, was it? Oh, wow. Was it that long ago? I remember hearing it was originally going to be called Caesar. Yes, that's right. And reading about it and reading about it. And then um, I loved Rise. Um, Yeah. I own it on Blu-ray and I never watch it. They're great. Uh, They're um, they're great. And uh, Circus is wonderful. And it's an interesting, you know, it actually goes somewhere. It's an interesting arc. It's an interesting way to to reinvent this thing. And when you get to the third one and the the virus thing pops up, you go, oh, this is smart. Like, this is really, really good. I found the third one a little long in the tooth. Um, yeah, I loved I, it. You know, I thought it was it was probably the best blending of everything, and and Harrelson was, yeah, was great. He was a huge asset for that thing, and um, and Steve Zahn. I mean, the Steve Zahn character, the little the little circus monkey. Yeah, bad monkey, wasn't he? Oh bad my shit god! Body? Yeah. Holy shit! That yeah, the, his really that whole thing with with Steve Zahn is just brilliant, and it added some some levity but they're hard to watch because you know i don't they like tug at the heartstrings they they challenge yeah. you um it's not quite escapist entertainment um no, no and, and that's where i was going with this is i think the reeves films are excellent but they're not fun and no. we are dealing with a subject called planet of the apes you know and um but I mean, isn't but isn't the argument that the first one isn't fun? No, but it's really no. interesting, and you'll never get that back. No, but I'm saying it's it it. I think that the fun of them it became more pulpy and comic booky as it went along, and then you know there's our perception of it and the toys and everything, and you just go it should be it should be more sort of PG uh actiony or fun that's why the schwarzenegger thing is like an idea you go oh that's where it could go or you know, back. <laughs> but the but these are very serious and it feels like the, he was he was trying to honor some of the original intent of the story or something um but it's not they're not action adventure films they're not they're not even quite that you know what i mean they're they're they have elements of action um they have great moments but they're not like you say they're not fun yeah, I think, like, honest to God, I was sitting in the theater watching the Reeves films, and you, 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 I, was a ki- I was a kid in heaven every time those came out. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm an adult watching, a, you know, a credible idea about how to make these relevant and interesting, and you've got a young audience watching these, and there's little nods for me, but, you know, uh, like, I... I do really like and appreciate them, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't ever pop them on. <laughs> no, they're hard. I mean, the, the, I remember, I remember being in the, in the audience for the first one. Yeah. And it's hard to be surprised by moments in, in movie, or maybe you occasionally get a real shock or a, a real, you know, goosebumps from a moment or something. But when they're on the bridge and suddenly they're on horseback and nobody saw that coming, like suddenly the, the, you know, the apes are <laughs> riding horses and you're like, oh, the, the nod to the original film. It was just that whole sequence was like, I remember the crowd just going crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
just and, going. and the you know the the Icarus going missing and the um the uh, you know Woody Harrelson's uh, platoon was the Alpha Omega Squadron or something like that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, they had all kinds of fun little things in there, you know. Yeah. But um, he was called I, Caesar. Yeah. With, yeah. The Caesar name. Yeah, because that was because Caesar was the name that they gave to Milo. Milo, right? Yeah. That's right. But you you know you couldn't make a film now saying all the dogs and cats in the world are dead and we 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 got monkeys. Right. Right. <laughs> Even with all the weed in the world, yeah, as much as there was in the 70s, there's a lot more now, and still couldn't get away with it. <laughs> but are they are, so? So you're you're hearing it might be a Disney Plus thing, like a series? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I read the article, and you know I read about 700 articles a day. But somebody asked me my opinion, and I just went, I'm in. You know, um, sounds interesting, and I just remember. When Caesar was announced, one of the commenters on one social media platform that I knew said, this will not work unless it's practical makeup and all the apes have British accents. This this is what this guy said. Wow, that's pretty specific. And I was like, I think you're overestimating the public here. Like, I think they'll be fine with... CGI apes and you know no British accents. <laughs> Why do you want them all in British accents? Oh, because of Roddy McDowell, I guess. Um, but it was sort of like this really specific thing, and of course, you know, like three movies later, obviously, the public was totally fine with all yeah. of it, you know, and I was too. Um, I guess I was kind of hoping there would be an installment where they kind of got to the clothes and the city and the, but you know what, whatever, maybe it will someday, you know? Um, you mean that they're walking around like, like with technology and stuff? Cause yeah, I just, I just mean like um, where it's closer to what I consider Planet of the Apes. Right. And, but you know, I'm very like you, I think you and I are both this way. It's like, I don't like this Batman. Well, I'll just wait for the next Batman. I might like that one. You know, um, and then that might be because we're Doctor Who fans and we know if we just wait around long enough, <laughs> things change. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, it's more, it's I think I'm so that it's like when it, if it we we come from a time that like we were just happy to have stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like if we got in our next episode, we're going to do the Batman stuff. And you know, I, we, I really want to talk about that. If we got the shadow, if we got the phantom, if we got, you know, whatever. <laughs> We, dude, I had a Condor Man poster in my room. You know, we went multiple times and we like bought the magazine and whatever because it was like there was so little of it about. There was so little franchise stuff that when something does hit and if they get it 75% right or however much they get right, you go, oh yeah, I enjoyed that. That was that was great. Do I love it as much as this one over here? No, but it's I'm happy that we'll get another one. Maybe the next one I'll like more. I'm happy that my choices aren't on Golden Pond. And, you know, like, <laughs> remember that? Like, you know, like, they would just all be dramas. Yeah, there just wasn't. I mean, everybody was trying, like, after Batman in 89, everybody was trying to get another, you know, comic book type thing going. And w- we would go to all of them because it was a genre thing. If, if not 
you know, there was less sci-fi coming out and more fantasy or genre yeah. type things. And, you know, we kept wanting something to blow our minds, you know. Mm, mm, absolutely. Happy to get it. So, so it's, I mean, I, I you know, it's just a, it's going to, it's going to be an evergreen. Like Planet of the Apes is always going to be around and it's always. I, I'm very excited for the future because I know that Disney didn't buy it and just to do nothing with it. And uh, I'm really hopeful that they they do something interesting with it. Yeah. It, it is part of our pop culture zeitgeist. It is. I mean, it's just so everybody knows it. Yeah. Everybody oh, geez. I'll tell you who know it the best. My kids. Uh, they've had to look at it all their lives. Yes. <laughs> They're a support group for kids that have had to look at Planet of the Apes their whole life. Oh, well, yeah. Of course. But... I mean, as a thing, I think everybody kind of gets to the the first film at least, or kind of references the first film, or knows the the first film. Well, look at look at The Simpsons. Look look at how much they've. Like, if people don't know the first film. I think they know the they even know the climax, even if they haven't seen it. They know that that iconic thing. It's such it's so ingrained into movie history that ending that somebody everybody kind of knows what the term means and. If you, you know. put up a picture of Dr. Zayas on Facebook today, within 10 minutes, somebody is going to go, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Probably. I guarantee you, I yeah. guarantee you. Well, now we've got, we might as well talk about um, Dana Gould's brilliant hanging with Dr. Z. Never heard of it. Show that he does, which is just goofy. But it is, really, it is so meta and nothing to do with planet of the apes really other than him in this brilliant makeup and brilliant costume and just acting like he's a you know he he's he basically Dr. turned Walk. dr zayas into you know a, a 90 a, like a hollywood um veteran yeah, and he, it's he, the conceit is that dr z is is who you see in this talk show and that he was going up for certain parts or he did after he did the apes films, he did this or he got turned down for the part in BJ and the bear. And then he, but he also had this life with, you know, Liz Taylor and all these other people at different parties and the playboy mansion and everything. And, and it's, and he's still kicking, but he's got this talk show and it's a very kind of throwback to the Carson, you know? uh, Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, um, and he also seems to be um, in league with that guy, uh, Chris Japan. I think he runs a thing called Fuxley, where they do all these kind of bizarre oh, yeah. products. products. Yeah. All the products are Fuxley products on the. Yeah. And. But it's super fun. If nobody's seen it, go to YouTube and start. Oh, God, so- it's great. Um, great. I just watched the Dave uh, Foley one recently. Yeah. And, and And, you know, the idea of Gould and Foley kind of mincing it up is also awesome because you know they're both really really good at it Foley had a joke about about making eye making eye contact when he spoke to people or when he's on dates or something it just whatever the joke was it just it had me laughing out loud yeah no it was really really good and uh dave foley is is funnier off screen than he is on sometimes like he he really is kind of just a naturally funny human being but um yeah, Doctor Z is another reason I think Planet of the Apes will never die. It's just, oh, pardon my phone. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things that that 
just seems to keep coming back, and I, I love it. I think Gould used to live in – I think he bought Roddy McDowell's house. Or he he did, to, yeah. He used to live yeah. in Roddy McDowell's house. And someone's got the – one of the statues, but like Sam – Frank was, Darabont has the um, – is it the log? No, I think I think Frank Darabont has the um, other one, the, the the Caesar statue, if I'm not mistaken, from Roddy McDowell's house. Didn't originally Sammy Davis Jr. have the lawgiver statue? This is a story yes. I've heard. Gould yes, okay. I've, I've heard that story too. Yeah. yeah. And Gould, does Gould have one now? Does he have that one now? Or I don't. I don't know. Um, was it Rob Zombie who has it or Gould? I'm not sure. Um, I don't really keep up on these things because I can't afford them and I want them. Um, I do know uh, that the Alpha Omega bomb and the ship just like rotted away on the um, the back lot of 20th Century Fox for many years. It's funny how many things just rot away on these yeah. studios. You don't have somewhere to put a, put this stuff. There's not a room you could someone's garage couldn't put these things in it everything's always out back and it's fading. apparently apparently like you could when you were in la in the early late 80s early 90s you could drive by dean jeffrey's shop and it would just be like the logan's run cars oh yeah and and, and the um the what's that thing from um damnation alley damnation alley yeah yeah that thing but, they're just all sitting I, out there yeah we, i would drive past it all the time they're just sitting outside but that was you know, you figure for studios got something. It's like, God, take care. What was the thing I just watched? It was a documentary about something that they they dug up and had to rebuild or something. And well, there's like Bruce. Um, you know, no, I don't like, even think it was Bruce because I think all the sharks were destroyed. Yeah, <clears throat> it was some kind of. Um, it was a boat or it was a something that that they had to to kind of reconstruct for something. Mm. And I was like, where was this thing? Was it just like in somebody's yard all these years? Because it's all. Oh, I know what you're talking about. What you're probably talking about? talking about the Nostromo. The Nostromo. Why would I be talking about the Nostromo? Why because that... because Bob Burns asked for it and 20th Century Fox put it in his driveway. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. And then he was trying to preserve it, but it was like, you know, it was like a mobile home. Yeah. And he eventually got it into a storage unit, but it got destroyed. So they, a bunch of guys refurbished it, and like yeah. he preserved it for a long time. And you know, he, you know, he saved it. But yeah, the Nostromo. I think you're thinking oh, of the Nostromo. No, yeah. I know what I'm thinking of. Oh. The, the Ecto One. Oh wow. They found the Ecto One from I think from the second film or something, and there was a, they were showing a you know, refurbishing it for the new film or something. And it was, I, I they didn't get specific about where it was, but it seemed like it was at the studio and it just was in complete disrepair and, and falling apart and stuff. And you're like, isn't there, isn't there something in the budget to keep track of this stuff or like where the stuff goes or just for, for Hollywood, you know, history, but. Hey, you but, know, I think the death star was just found. The death star model was, on some porch of some antique store i can't remember <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i remember in the in the jaws one of the jaws documentaries that that they were destroying the the orca they were they were they were destroying the quint's boat even though you know but they had a couple of different models of it but but um uh spielberg wanted it 
and he, he no i'm sorry they used it for the universal ride yeah they used one of the boats they 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 didn't use in the movie for the universal ride and then they stopped the ride and they were destroying it he and he was about to call them and say hey i'd like to get the boat oh sorry mr spielberg we're sent on the wood chipper they they start and he's like what yeah he raised hell apparently and he ended up getting a section of it or something or the the wheel or i don't know what but they just oh i guess we're gonna chop it up like why wouldn't you you could sell it for charity and make a bunch why would you destroy it yeah, yeah. something with it you know someone will buy it give the money to homeless penguins or something i don't know it's crazy eh? that's my talk but uh well there you go there you go never let it be said that we don't eventually get to our part twos that's right and i think i think we should make 2022 where we get to more part twos i agree yeah we we never finished our emmanuel no no and i want to get to the monique gabrielle one because that's my favorite yeah so we should finish that one and then i think that we've hit on we're coming up this is episode 99 we're coming up on episode 100 and um We'll have a few little bells and whistles, I believe, but I think we've decided to, it'll probably be a free-for-all as well as most of these are, except this one really wasn't because I got insecure right out of the gate when Brian told me that we rambled too much in episode seven. So I've tried to keep my mouth shut. But in the next one, we're going to, uh, I believe, talk about Batman. Yeah, and we're gonna be super drunk. Yeah. Yeah. And wait, not it's Carl Batman, the guy that lives next door. Carl Batman, yeah, it's Batman. Yeah, it's Batman. Yeah. Uh, but we thought with the new film, interesting coming, guy. Here we've here we've hit Matt Reeves over 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 over. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're gonna. It's gonna be a double shot of Matt Reeves. Yeah. And then uh, because the new film is coming out, but also we've never really done you know, front to back, you know, a whole Batman thing from... No, we, we've talked about superhero movies. we talked about the summer of 89, but we've never just done a Batman movie episode. And that might be fun. Yeah. Be- <laughs> <laughs> might end in tears. We don't know. Yeah, but it'll be interesting. Yeah. And certainly if there's anything else anybody wants discussed or mentioned or talked about or, you know... Yeah, I'll bottom. put it out in the Pod Stallions group. Maybe yeah, we can get, kind of just go through uh, some stuff. Any thoughts for episode 100? Maybe we'll take some questions. There you go. Reader questions. View, viewer mail. What are you and Jason's social insurance numbers and PIN codes? Oh, that's easy. Yeah. That, that's four, no. One, two, three, four. <laughs> well, there you go. That was a juicy one. Hope you all enjoyed it. Please don't describe it like that. I know I did. Yeah. I learned something as well. I did, too. Um, I learned that I have to really pee. There you go. Yeah. That's when we know the episode's over. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we, Unless it's really good, and then I just turn the mic off and, and find a bottle. But, you know. Hear the bell. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. And uh, see you next uh, ne- couple weeks. All right. Take care.